Power Band Podcast, Episode 6. Welcome along. My name is Ray Heron. Joining me is co-host Matthew Day-Gillett. G'day, g'day, man. How you been? Oh, ticking along all right. I've got a bit of a gout in the old knees. I haven't been doing a lot of motorcycling lately. It seems to be the story of my life at the moment. Health issues. Isn't gout like an old man's disease? Just saying. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But <laughs> no, apparently it's not just for old men. Or are you trying to say I'm old? Well, you're on the wrong side of 30. I'm still on the right side of 30, so... Now, listen here, sonny. <laughs> <laughs> you and your electric bikes? <laughs> yeah, speaking of electric bikes, shall we jump into the news? And I hear that you're talking about electric bikes. You've got some Husqvarna and KTM news. Yes, so this is actually really, really cool, especially for the motocross sector. And I know we haven't done a heck of a lot of motocross because neither of us are motocross riders per se. We like the idea of it. It's not something we've ever done, but... It's the fitness thing. Like, if I'm going to be a motocross rider, I've got to go to the gym. If I'm going to the gym, I can't eat a block of chocolate. Yeah, well, I've got a gym membership. I just don't go. You pay your you pay your weekly donation. Yeah, it's great value. Um, but anyway, so there's this ma- major problem that a lot of the motocross tracks around the country are facing at the moment, and that's the problem of urban encroachment. So um, the Harrisville track, Pukekohe Motorcycle Club's track, uh, that's been seeing a bit of argy-bargy, I guess you could say, um, over proposed um, subdivisions and right next door. I've got a gripe about that as well. I mean, the, even Western Springs had the same issue. Western Springs was there well before those houses were, and yet those houses still, the owners of those houses still complain. Yeah, and it's the same problem that motocross tracks are having now. Um, Cambridge, my local motocross track, um, same issue. And Topor, Digger McEwen Park has this as a similar issue in that they can only run the track certain days of the year um, and certain times of the year because of dust, because of the ETA, the Eastern Arterial Route, the bypass, the Topor bypass was put in, and when they create too much dust, the dust goes across the bypass and NZTA have a, have a conniption. Oh, yay. Uh, they need to build a big-ass wall. Um, but anyway, back on topic. So, um, KTM and Husqvarna, essentially the same company, KTM owns Husqvarna, have done since about 2013. Um, they have a couple of new kids' bikes coming out, and instead of being your traditional 50cc two-stroke competition machine, they are electric. They're called the KTM SX-E and the Husqvarna EE5. Uh, they've both got 5-kilowatt uh, electric engines. Um, they both look really cool. Um, they look like real kids' motocross bikes. They're designed to be competition centric but yeah take from that as you will they've got decent wp air forks which could be interesting um but the big thing is they're quiet they're electric bikes and they are also low maintenance which means hopefully um, more kids will be able to get into motocross because let's face it if you're not mechanically savvy costs a lot of money to service and maintain a dirt bike. Now I was watching a YouTube video during the week uh, and it was some hard enduro. It was uh, the Gotland Grand National Enduro Race. Um, Yeah I'm a little bit late to the party on that. It's been up for a while but that is known as the muddiest race of all time. The puddles were halfway up the engine and these, these riders were racing through these puddles. Electric and puddles, electric and water do not mix. So I can't imagine, well I suppose you could insulate it, but I can't imagine this electric bike thing is going to cross right over into Enduro. Yeah, well then again you've um, got the likes of those um, Alta Motors bikes, which I think sadly Alta Motors went under, which is a real shame because they were making some really good bikes, but they were making proper dual sport Enduro machines that were completely electric. Uh, Lyndon Poskett was meant to ride one at Erzberg this year, but um, it got pinched out of his van. I think you're pretty, pretty simple to insulate them enough and they only have like two moving parts or something so some of those water's not going getting into that little um electric engine 
and your connections are all waterproof, I reckon that'd be fine. You're probably exactly right because they can keep the liquid inside the engine. It wouldn't be hard to keep the liquid outside of a new electric engine. Anyway, yes, back to the Huskies. Yes, so um, the Husky and the KTM, um, both are designed for your junior riders. So we're talking kids sort of five, six, seven, maybe eight. Getting into your riding, WPS forks and WP rear shock. Both the bikes share the same frame, same wheel size and everything. Um, They've got an adjustable seat height, which is a major tick in the pro column, and six rider modes. Um, So you can actually tailor the power, just like uh, any good bike, tailor the power to um, the rider. Is it like fast, plus one fast, plus two fast, faster, getting faster, the fastest? Uh, I haven't actually seen what they've called them yet. Um, But anyway... um, like the battery is a is made out of 84 modern lithium ion cells and it carries about 907 watt hours which to me makes no like i have no idea what that means but what i do know is charging time to get the bikes back up to full power is 70 minutes and that's like depending on how you're riding it so i can't remember if it was the ktm release or the husqvarna release but they mentioned that the battery life depends on the rider. So you're looking at about 25 minutes for actual competition style riding. Um, So that's basically your motocross race, done and dusted, smash that out, whack it on the charger, go eat some McDonald's while you wait for your next race sort of thing. Um, Takes about, what did I say? see here? It was to get it up to 80%, only 40 minutes. 45 minutes, sorry. So... That's a pretty decent charge time. Universal charger that comes with them, so you can charge them apparently anywhere. Um, and yeah, they look really, really trick. Um, but again, I think the biggest benefit of these things comes back to the fact that our tracks are under threat. And if this is what KTM and Husqvarna are looking at, it's only a matter of time um, before the likes of, say, Yamaha, Honda, all those big Japanese companies start looking at it too i'd be very surprised if yamaha and honda haven't already got something like this in the pipeline if they haven't got some boffins in the back room playing with lithium-ion batteries and and brushless motors we've got problems Mm, exactly and um but then again you've got you've got starting at the ground with these kids bikes if the kids like them they're going to want a bigger version one day so hopefully that means electric bikes are going to start coming in and sort of yeah 125cc size or your 250 size or even your mx1 450 size so watch the space on on uh, electric bikes as far as motocross then yeah there is obviously that one major downside of no noise but on the flip side if you've got noisy as hell bikes and your track's getting shut down because of noise because of urban development i'd do without the noise and still enjoy riding but that's just me. You know what would be really cool as well? Uh, you get you get yourself, I don't know, a, a full adult size electric enduro or trail riding bike, right? Because those those engines, those motors, they're they're digital, and you're talking about electric power. You could pretty much install a map, like a throttle map, that would make the bike react like any bike that you wanted. So you go right. I really like the YZ two fifty F. I want to install that kind of throttle mapping and and that kind of throttle response, and you've got that bike. Or I really like a two-stroke XYZ. You install that, and it feels like a two-stroke, rides like a two-stroke. You've got all of that torque from from 1% throttle. That actually isn't a silly thought, 
actually. Um, maybe we need to find someone clever to actually start doing that, and it could be a million dollar idea. And if you can help us with that, facebook.com forward slash powerband podcast. <laughs> right, moving on. Um, despite, we, I know we've covered Eichmer to death, um, but there was a different motorcycle show over the weekend called um, Motorcycle Live. I believe it was in the UK. And Norton, if you haven't heard of Norton, they're a road bike company, they're English. They've gone under, they've come back, they've gone under, they've come back a couple of times. Um, they seem to be on a roll at the moment. They've sort of done a few things, won their class at Isle of Man, etc. Let me guess, they've got a new antivirus software out. <laughs> Not quite, but it is a 650cc parallel twin sport bike. Uh, and it looks the duck's nuts. It's um, really quite cool. It looks like a proper super sport machine. Parallel twin, obviously it's not your normal. 650cc parallel twin, you're probably thinking in your head something like the Kawasaki Ninja 650. Sort of about 60 to 80 horsepower. Bit fun, learner friendly. Uh, this thing's got 105 brake horsepower. 55.3 pounds feet of torque, so it is like sexy as all how gold forks um the business um and best of all so 105 brake horsepower pretty awesome add to that it only weighs 158 kilos dry and this thing will be epic but being a norton it will be pricey and yeah norton there's not too many norton dealerships in the country i only know officially of one so getting your hands on one could be yeah it could be interesting i think i saw on the motorcycle news um twitter feed nineteen thousand nine hundred and fifty pounds yeah so that's probably it's getting up to thirty five forty thousand dollars yeah that's a lot of money for a 650 but apparently the engine for this parallel twin is half of their race bikes v4 so it's a special bike but yeah it could almost be a garage queen at that money um, i don't know if i'd want to take a bike a 650 that's worth that much. The MT-07 pales into insignificance at that money, doesn't it? Yeah, it does a bit. Um, but yes, hey, it's Norton. They've got a few other bikes in the pipeline, some scramblers and such. So it looks like they're really trying to pull off what Triumph did in the 90s and early 2000s where they sort of, the brand was bought back like nothingness after crashing down and they just built it up, built it up with quality bikes, uh, bikes that you wanted. And look at Triumph now. Triumph's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting if that makes its way to us. Um, but a bike I know is definitely going to make its way to us is the Husqvarna Svartpillen 701. Svartpillen, now that's an interesting name. Yeah, um, oh, funny story completely off topic. I once dated a Swedish girl and I started learning Swedish um, because she was hot. As you do. Yeah, and when she moved back to Sweden, I kind of, and we lost touch, I gave up learning Swedish. I really wish I had kept it up because I'd actually be able to pronounce Svartpillen correctly. So this is sort of the natural continuation of the Vitpillen, Svartpillen thing Husqvarna's got going on in their new road bikes. So they've already got a 401 version of both those. Uh, the Svartpillen 401 is a scrambler. Um, it's got the same engine as the KTM 390 Duke. Now, I'm completely new to this. When you say 401, is that 401cc? No, because for some reason Husqvarna like to overemphasize that. So, And I suppose they can't call it a Svartpillen 390, but even then it's a 370cc engine, I think. Oh, so in the same way that Yamaha do a, a MT-07 at a 650cc, it's an 07, it's 700, they, you know. Yeah, round up. Well, I think even Subaru, their uh, two-liter engines are actually 1994cc. Oh, I thought it was 19. 19- Oh, it might have been. Back on topic for bikes, because we could talk about Sabaris for ages, and we could probably make a whole other podcast about 
about that. And maybe we will. Stand by. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's got the same engine for the 701 as found in, say, the 690 Enduro KTM, and it'll be pretty much identical to the Vitpillin engine, except instead of being a scrambler like the little Svartpillin, the... Uh, 701 is going to take its styling cues from the tr- flat track scene um, which I it kind of disappoints me really I really digged the styling of the little 401 speaking of flat tracks and just totally off topic there's a flat track being built in Topol is there now oh is that part of Bruce McLaren Motorsport Park yeah at the back of Bruce McLaren Motorsport Park or Topol Motorsport Park depending on what area you come from they're uh, building a flat track as we speak and we'll uh, upload the photos when we get some to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash powerbandpodcast. Now, that's got something to do with uh, Mr. Carl Cox, doesn't it? Um, he's that fancy-ass DJ dude that basically spends all his uh, money on motorcycle racing. <laughs> Absolute legend. Um, no, he rides all sorts of stuff. He actually has... Does he ride a Husqvarna? Oh, for anyone that's been in Auckland, there was a RC213V-S Honda, um, which was the road-going version of Mark Marquez's um, MotoGP bike, and that was owned by Carl Cox. It was in their window for quite a while. But, yeah, the, the Huskies, it's cool in its own way. It's sort of... I imagine this, in terms of styling anyway, the Husqvarna 701 Svartpillin is going to go up kind of against the Indian Scout FTR 1200, but it's probably going to be a bit cheaper. It's a smaller engine. If you're looking at the 401s, they made um, both those bikes the same price. So if the Svartpillin 701 isn't the same price as the Vitpillin, which is somewhere around that $18,000 mark, I'd be surprised. But it's definitely coming. Um, I've had confirmation it'll be here sometime next year, and um, it'll be a good fun bike to have a go on. That single-cylinder engine produces one more horsepower than the KTM Enduro engine, somehow. For a single big single-cylinder thumper, it's actually not a bad unit. So um, hopefully I'll manage to wrangle one of those, and um, we'll be able to do a review on it in Season 2. Speaking of fun bikes that we'd love to have a go on, the Nikon, the Yamaha Nikon, the 900 CC uh, MT09 with three wheels. Uh, this thing kind of hit the media about a week ago. There's been photos and updates ever since because there was a press junket. When was, where was it? Down in Queenstown somewhere? South Island. They did a big loop. Um, I was invited to go along, but unfortunately, um, getting a babysitter for four days for a four month old is a bit tricky. So I had to sadly let that one go. And looking at the photos, I am gutted it looked like it was a hell of a lot of fun i'm a little bit jealous of my friends down in dunedin uh mcr motorcycle replacements we talked to rick a couple of weeks ago he's actually got a nikon in store with plates on it as a demo and i messaged him during the week i said rick can we talk to you about the M- about the Nikon? He goes, oh, I'm a little bit busy, but next time you're in town, come for a ride. This thing looks fantastic, and it is, am I wrong in saying it's available now? Um, I believe it is, yeah. Um, people wanting a test ride that live close to Auckland can have a go this weekend at the New Zealand Motorcycle Show. Uh, I know Yamaha are going to have a few units there on um, demo. They're probably going to be the same bikes that the press were flogging about on, so um, yeah, make sure you check for any uh, damage, because uh, motor journalists aren't exactly uh, nice to bike. Now, just before we get too deeply into the motorcycle show, which we'll talk a bit about shortly, the Nikon, if you're not fully up to date with this, it's a three-wheeled motorcycle, right? Or a three-wheeled car, whatever, depends what it's registered as. But this thing here, so basically from the headstock back, it's an MT-09, but forwards, it could be a quad. It's a, it's a 
It's got four front shocks. It's got three wheels. And apparently the front end inspires confidence like nothing else. Yeah, so if it's anything like um, a while back, I rode a Piaggio MP3, which has a similar style front end. Um, They call it an Ackerman suspension system. And it's mind-bogglingly complicated, but basically means you can ride it just like you would any other normal bike. There's no need to change how you ride. You still counter-steer and all that jazz. But you've got all this extra grip at the front because you've got an extra wheel and it's spaced apart. And I remember that little Piaggio back in the day, I was absolutely flogging that thing around Auckland. I could have got my knee down if I was wearing leathers, I felt. I reckon you're not going to see a lot of these um, as commuter lane splitter bikes. Yeah, they do look pretty wide. Um, where's this? I've got a stat here for the width. Uh, the width is whew, 885 mil. So it's nearly a metre wide. So you're not going to... Yeah, you're not really going to be uh, lane splitting that thing. And there's also a lot more weight in one of these than there is the MT-09. The MT Rangers is known for being a light bike, whether you go for the 07, the 09, the 03, whatever it is. They're a light bike. I mean, the MT-07 was was 180-odd kgs, which is pretty light for a bike like that. This thing's quite heavy, though. Uh, It's 260-something. Where was it? It was 263 kgs. Milligrams with a full tank of gas. 263 kgs wet with a full tank of gas. Now, there's a lot to be accounted for in there. I mean, you've got two front wheels, you've got four front shocks, you've got extra fluids, you've got extra brakes, you've got a big wide nose on it. But, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, having the two front wheels, you've got twice the traction up front um, going into corners. It will inspire lots of confidence in the wet but it's heavy. Yeah, but then again, you can lean it to 45 degrees, um, no worries. And it's got that same en- engine that the uh, Tracer GT's got, the MT-09's got. It's 115 horsepower at 10,000 RPM, and that's all out of an 847cc triple. So it sounds good as well. Um, yeah, so I've seen quite a few photos of a certain Kiwi motorcycle journalists wheeling this thing. So it can't be all that heavy. Or that, like the power can't be that bad because, uh, yeah, there's some photos of those two front wheels sky high going around the internet. And you probably see those in a few of uh, New Zealand uh, motorcycling publications. Uh, And you'll be able to see them on facebook.com forward slash power band podcast because we're going to steal all Rick from MCR's photos and post them up there and hopefully have a yarn to Rick about the Nikon. And if we can, the Tracy GT next week. So stay tuned for that. Moving right along. And that pretty much wraps us up as far as the news goes. Um, But there's been a few stories in the news over the last few days and weeks um, about a lot of motorcycle crashes. We've had a horror weekend last weekend. And if you're listening to this uh, podcast delayed, then a weekend before last or a previous weekend a few weeks ago. Yeah, what what day do we come out just so that we can put it in context? Because some people might be listening to this in six months' time and go, what what, what are you talking about? So we're recording this podcast on Tuesday the 20th of November. This will come out on Thursday the 22nd of November. Uh, of course, we're talking about the, the last weekend. The uh, Was it was it five or six motorcyclists? Jeez, was it that many? Last I saw it was four, um, one of which was a pillion. It was absolute shocker. Yeah, so it was five, five, five crashed, four That's, died. Yeah, it was just awful. And some of them were people that were riding together 
Some of them were your, your typical motorcyclists, just rise off the road. Now, there's a few theories floating around as to why we had so many this weekend. I mean, the, the weather was fantastic around, around most of the region on the weekend. Um, also, we've got a lot of people, a lot of motorcyclists getting their bikes out of the garage for the first time this year, this season, um, and, and putting some rego on the bike and doing the oil change and then going, you know what, it's so nice, I'm going to go for a ride. Another theory on this, motorcycle incidents, this crash rate, is going to drop when older riders stop. Now, the story goes that uh, four motorcyclists were killed, three separate crashes over the weekend, and uh, some people are calling for greater regulation to make sure only those who are capable of handling a powerful bike are allowed to get one. Now, the country's road toll has ticked over 330 this weekend for the year so far, and it's tracking towards a similar result as last year, which was the highest road toll since 2009. Uh, so what a lot of people are saying is that we need to introduce another step in the license to ride bigger bikes. See, I think that's unnecessary because like, if you're doing, like if you're going through the licensing system now, it's already, you go through your lambs and that, um, but also um, you have the option to do a competency-based skill assessment, um, the CBTA, um, for your license. And that is so much harder than following a little old biddy from the AA round. Um, I actually did a trial one um, and I failed it. Oh, I, I did my restricted license with a little old biddy from the AA and she was in a Swift and I had a headset on my bike and she followed me the length of, I don't know if anyone knows uh, Para Umu, but Carpety Road, did the length of Carpety Road and said, right, I'll see you back at the AA, you've passed. Then I went and did the CBTA test with the two bald bikers for my, res- my full license and I think I was allowed to get f- 10 maybe 15 marks against me and I passed by the skin of my teeth and I've been riding motorcycles for 10 years. Mm. Yeah, I had a similar thing. Um, I was doing a story um, back when I worked at Bike Rider magazine um, and it was with Graham Crosby, um, famous Kiwi motorcycle racer. Both of us did this um, practice CBTA test with um, Pro Rider and Takanini. Both of us failed um, and yeah, I was just completely horrified and it changed my riding immediately. Um, but it's the fact that all these older dudes um, that have had a motorcycle license since the 60s and are getting back into riding, um, I think that's part of the problem. Speaking of the older dudes, another angle on this story, another person saying that um, it's no secret the Harleys shut down uh, a couple of production lines because their bikes are just not as popular as they once were. Now, what they're saying is younger people are inclined to stay on their tablets or their computers or whatever. They're not into riding motorcycles as much. and The number of people getting on motorcycles uh, is declining. The older guys riding bikes are getting older, so they're getting off their bikes or they're crashing. So basically, once the older generation get off bikes, the crash rate is going to drop substantially. That's that's another theory. Yeah, I think anecdotally I've heard some sort of words to the contrary on that about younger people not getting into riding. Um, I've got a couple of friends that work for motorcycle training companies and they have been getting an influx lately of um, young people on, say, scooters. And yes, scooters do count as a motorcycle. I don't care what you say. Um scooters and small bikes getting their learners and all that um, because of the petrol prices um so who knows maybe we'll see an influx of new blood into well that's a really terrible thing to say um 
new riders into motorcycling. We know where you're coming from. Uh, now, AA Driving School General Manager Roger Venn said there is some merit in some form of retesting for motorcyclists. Now, you're seeing a lot of middle-aged motorcyclists um, coming back to motorcycle riding after a 20-year break, and he says that it's incredible that you can pass your driving test, your motorcycle riding test, at 16 or 17, and simply never be retested again until you're 75. At 75, you need a doctor's certificate to say you can keep riding. So you can ride, you can get your license at 16, 17, sell your bike at 19, have a couple of kids, go through your midlife crisis. At 35, you go and buy, an, uh, go and buy a 1200cc and you've never been retested. You don't hang on to those. You don't retain those skills forever, do you? No, well, like I know for a fact that if I didn't ride for more than a month, which did happen despite being uh, working at a motorcycle magazine, um, I'd get on a bike and I would be rusty as all hell. So I can only imagine what it's like if you haven't ridden for years. Oh, see, I, I didn't ride my bike for my dirt bike for three months. I haven't owned a road bike in two months now. And the other weekend, I managed to get the WR out of the garage and started it up and I had to drain the carb to actually start it. That's how, how you know, how unhappy it was. And just putting around the backyard felt so foreign and that's two months that's not 15 years yeah so it's i kind of have to agree with the aa dude on that like there we probably do need to be retesting but then we need to be retesting everyone because the same can be said for car drivers um that don't know like the number of people that don't know how to indicate around a freaking roundabout is insane oh come on if you oh it's not hard no and but the people that just they'll come in and they'll or the pump the number number of people that just don't indicate like why no Yamato hill is a chronic one for people just not indicating there's three lanes on one one side of the road and they just drift across oh well i live in the central well not central waikato um I live near Hamilton, the city of roundabouts in New Zealand, um, and it is genuinely scary sometimes cruising through the Tron because just people don't know how to use an indicator. And um, thankfully, both my wife and I are very good at um, not getting into full-on road rage, but we do say a few choice words, which hopefully our four-month-old has not picked up on. But yeah, it's insane. So generally, I think everyone should be retested. Maybe you get a retest every 10 years or something. You have to sit at least a um, theory test. Now, I completely agree. However, it's probably time we caught up with somebody who has a little bit more knowledge about the situation than I do. Time to catch up with Ross Gratton from the Two Bald Bikers based in Wainui Amata and Wellington. How you doing, Ross? I'm doing very well, Ross. Now, we've seen some, some horror crash statistics when it comes to motorcyclists uh, last weekend and we've talked a bit about this on the podcast. Now, Two Bald Bikers, you guys are motorcycle trainers, correct? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Now, you guys look after the the CBTA training and the Ride Forever courses. In what way can the Ride Forever courses help lower the crash statistics that we've seen? Looking at the statistics, I guess what the estimate can do is is give people a much broader and deeper skill set. And that's where it all comes down to it. The Ride Forever courses are fantastic for honing the skills that you have and maybe introducing some stuff that you don't and, and giving you a, a better handle on not just how to control the bike but how to interact with your environment in a little bit more of an active way. Fair enough. Now, you, the Ride Forever courses that you guys administer, uh, are we, we, we're not just talking gold, silver and bronze, are we? Absolutely not. So we, we run scooter survival courses for our brethren on scooters. Uh, we run urban rider courses and, and therefore people have just got their license and it's really that first foray out onto the road. So 
the, the Rice River program is great. It gives a, a subsidised pathway for all new riders to, to, to have great and professional coaching all the way through their licensing system, all the way through their, their riding life. And it's, when we get to the gold and the silver levels for people who have had their licences for a long time, it's, it's very much a warrant of fitness for your riding because we all know that over time bad habits can creep in, but we can cast a light over and see what's going on and we can maybe tweak things here and there. Now, it has been said in the media that a lot of the crashes may be due to, say, uh, Trevor, he's 50 years old, he got his licence at 17 and he sold his bike at 20. He hasn't been on a bike in probably the best part of 30 years and now he's gone and bought himself a Harley. Uh, what, 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 how do you, how do the Ride Forever courses play in that sort of scenario? So, if we talk, start off with the silver level course, so that's designed specifically for riders who are preparing for a full license assessment or a returning rider. So what we're talking about here is is, a returning rider. Not necessarily he's never been on the bike in that time, but it's let's go back and have a look at those fundamental skills and see what's changed and what's changed in you, what's changed in the bike, what's changed in the road code, what's changed in the environment, and let's ease you back into it and actually take a look at the skills as you go. And then those gold level skills are about building those higher order skills, those more advanced skill-based stuff that really will get the most out of your bike and get the most out of that experience of riding. Now I did your silver course and I think I actually did it with you personally. We had a, a trip over the way, uh, over the uh, Rimu Tuckers as well uh, and what I did appreciate uh, I was in a group of four riders with yourself um, following and, and giving feedback. What I did appreciate was you, you didn't tell me that I was doing things wrong. You didn't say Oi, nah that's wrong, don't do that. It was more of a, a feedback session and a, a building on skills and a, a suggestion of different ways of handling different uh, scenarios, which I, I thought was fantastic. Fantastic, exactly. No one wants to hear, no, you're an idiot, you don't know what you're doing. And that's not the truth of it. I mean, I know that I've been riding 35 years, I don't have all the answers, none of us do. But I know that there's some things that we can get better at, and I know that every time I get on a motorcycle, there's something that I can get better at. And every day I go out to work, there's still something that I can work on. We're all on the journey, and it's not about saying what you know is wrong, but it's maybe, is there a better way? Because there's some things that can be more right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I also, um, th- th- there seems to be a little bit of resentment about uh, the ACC levies in uh, motorcycle registration and, and that kind of bumping the price of motorcycle registration, for want of a better term, sky high. But the kind of, the, the Ride Forever courses are kind of the reason for it, aren't they? They're kind of uh, trying to upskill people and, and mitigate the, the crashes that may happen before they happen, right? Well, they're absolutely the fence at the top of the hill rather than the ambulance at the bottom. Um, are they the reason that the registrations are high? Well, probably not. Registration's high, and, and we don't want to have any kind of emotive discussion around it because it's an emotive thing, but it costs a lot to fix us when we have an accident because we're sitting on top of the vehicle rather than inside it. Mm. And it's it just comes down to numbers. There's a smaller riding fleet and we cost a significantly larger amount than we draw in. That's why registrations are high. Um, great thing with the Ride Forever is that we're now starting to see people who are accessing the training and, and kind of in an ongoing way, a 35% reduction in accident rate. That's huge. Statistically, that's massive. 35%. Now, that's that's worth doing. Now, the Ride Forever courses, as of today, 
if I was to book on with the two bikers for a ride forever course, uh, they're heavily subsidised. But I mean, what do they cost at the moment? So generally, a bronze or an urban rider course will cost you the princely sum of twenty dollars, and a silver or gold will cost you fifty. Fifty dollars. That's it. That's it. Wow. And then if, and you the, get, the, if you're lucky enough to get in on a on a promo or anything, like I did uh, a few months ago, it was free. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it's ridiculous how cheap it is. I mean, that's not to say that you're getting a $20 or a $50 course. That's not what you're getting. ACC kicks a fair amount in, and what you, when you're coming along, that mindset is that you're getting a $300 course because that's the reality. That's what it all pans out to. It's a $300 course for you for that day. So if I was to book your services, regardless of Ride Forever and do the, the course curriculum for, say, the Silver Course, we're talking $300-odd. If you were doing it and you wanted to do it one-on-one, it would be probably a little bit more than that. Wow. So it's incredible value for money. And you know, we can argue about, you know, is what ACC does fair. When it comes to the Ride Forever stuff, they're doing the riding public a solid. They really are. Ross Gratton from the Two Bald Bikers. How do we get hold of you if we're in the Wellington region? Okay, if you're in the Wellington region, you can contact us on 0800 560 uh, You can go to our website, www.twobaldbikers.co.nz, um, or you can uh, send us a message through our Facebook page. And I've also heard that you, uh, you take the occasional trip outside the Wellington region to do these courses. Absolutely. So we run courses all the way up to the Hawke's Bay and up to Taranaki. And so we're all of the lower North Island. And if we're outside your jurisdiction, how can listeners get hold of a, a Ride Forever facilitator? So the easiest thing is to just jump on the Ride Forever website, uh, on-road coaching section, uh, choose the course you want, choose the region you want, and it'll give you a list of all of the available providers. Now, Ross, just before we let you go, you've got an event coming up on Saturday. Absolutely, Ray. So we're uh, in conjunction with the Upper City Council and New Zealand Police doing a motorcycle uh, safety stop in Upper Hutt, just south of Timaru. There'll be free coffee, and uh, whilst you're there, we have 30 Ride Forever courses to give away. That'll cost you absolutely nothing. Wow. Absolutely free. So 30 of them to give away uh, just south of Timaroa. Do check that out. Ross Graden from the Two Ball Bikers. Hey, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. And uh, I hear that you've been listening to the podcast. So thank you very much for your um, for your, your feedback and your listening uh, time as well. Oh, you're very welcome, Ray. Love your work. Love to hear your opinions, though. Facebook.com forward slash Podcast. It's not good that our passion, motorcycles, is killing so many people. So let's move on to a story, another story that was in the news recently. Down in Christchurch, a motorcyclist who allegedly posted a video of himself doing 200 kilometres per hour overtaking on a narrow hill above Christchurch has been charged. Never a good idea, that. For starters, he was doing 200 kilometres an hour, but he also did the YouTube video. See, at minimum, if you're going to be that stupid and ride at 200 on on public roads, blur out your speedo. (laughs) Not that we're condoning it. Yeah, no, definitely. uh, 200 is absolutely stupid on public roads because... Well, I don't know what the condition of the roads is in Canterbury. I haven't ridden there particularly. Um, but if there are anything like the Waikato roads, you do not want to be going super fast on those roads because there'll be just be a pothole or um, some ruts or all sorts just waiting to 
jump out and get you. So the story carries on that uh, Dane Allen Montgomery appeared in Christchurch District Court on Wednesday after he allegedly posted a video of himself test driving his Honda Hornet CB919 on YouTube. The 33-year-old painter from Sprayden is charged with driving dangerous, dangerously from Governors Bay Road on uh, August 24th, giving false information to police for driving infringe- infringement in September 11th. And the video was captioned, Nice Saturday cruising around the bays while avoiding idiot road users. Yeah. His odometer, his speedometer showed 200 kilometers an hour during the video. He was given a registrar's remand to appear on December 1st. I hope they throw the book at him, to be honest. Like, if anyone's an idiot road user, it's that dude. Because there's just no need for it. And as we've just said, like, there's just too many motorcyclists getting into trouble and dying on our roads. And it's doing stupid stuff like that that doesn't help our public image. It's the boy racer scenario all over again. Uh, One person does something stupid on the roads, people see it in the media, and you and I, and you the listener, get a bad name because we simply were associated because we ride two-wheeled motorcycles as well. It's like that whole... um the whole gang riders, the bikies, um, like over in Australia, if you ride a motorcycle and people just look at you sideways and go, oh, are you one of those people? Um, and yeah, like, if, well, tell you what, my, um, when my wife, now wife, we were dating at the time, introduced me to her mother for the first time, she described me as a tattooed, pierced, bearded biker. And I'm pretty sure the mental image my mother-in-law had was of someone from the Hells Angels. So, like, it's it's sort of those kinds of mental images are what the public thinks of us, despite the fact that a lot of us ride 250s or 650s or sports bikes or whatever. I mean, quite a few of us just commute. You, you don't you don't get to go over 60Ks an hour, even in a 100 zone. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's definitely something that we as a community need to get together on somehow. Um, I'm just speaking right out of my butt right here. Um we maybe need to just all come together and go. Look, we need to stop this. Or that's where that's where I think um, joining a community, whether it be a Facebook group or a motorcycle club, that's where I think that sort of thing helps because you get uh, you get the older hats and the more experienced people in the group that uh, that kind of stamp out the young stupid behaviour. And there's a time and a place for it. Take it to the track, go to a burnout pad, whatever it might be. Take your motocross track to the bush. Take your motocross bike to the bush, but. Uh, you, you kind of the you stamp out the stupid behavior and you you keep the stupid behavior to where it should be so you go along to uh, the cold cold kiwi and you hit the burnout pad or you you know you act the fool in a safe and controlled environment but you learn how to behave on the road yeah like um there's something i think the ulysses club does it quite well where they'll have a road captain um, and a tail end Charlie and basically they're in control of the ride so you fall behind tail end Charlie well you don't because he stops and makes sure you're all good nobody passes the road captain um, and if you do you're just you're out of there um, so I think yeah it's, it's a real tricky one but I think it is one that we consciously need to start doing something about because if we don't start controlling the stuff that um, or the, the death toll the people doing stupid stuff then we are going to get legislated out of existence. And our AA and our ACC levies are just going to go even higher, which means our registration is going to be beyond reach of any normal man. 
Mm, exactly. Poor woman. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's go on to something slightly more lighthearted again because, yeah, that's just... We've been going down a bit of a dark rabbit hole, let's face it. Let's kick off with some events and we'll kick straight into the dirt events. In Auckland, this weekend on the 24th of November, the Auckland SX Open hits Mount Smart Stadium. Uh um, so this has been, um, well, we've known about it for quite a while now, a few, couple of months. Uh, basically, Supercross is finally coming back in a big way to New Zealand. Uh, you're going to have all the big Kiwi names there. Brad Groombridge has just in the last week announced that he'll um, give a crack at it. Um, you've got uh, Ryan Villapoto from the States, um, Chad Reed, a lot of really, really big um, American names coming down to New Zealand to show, uh, show the Kiwis what it's all about. Plus, you'll have uh, Josh Coppins, um, and ooh, Ben Townley, I believe, um, as well. Um, just some of the real big names in the New Zealand dirt bike scene. I'm so jealous that I live at the bottom of the North Island and I can't go. I'm just, oh, yeah, I've got a prior commitment, which uh, unfortunately I can't escape. Otherwise, I'd be heading up there and trying to buy a scalped ticket or something because it's going to be awesome. But I remember talking to, I think it was Ben Townley, about the setup for this, and essentially... They've brought in tons and tons of dirt to make the Supercross track, but they have to have it all out by Monday. Um, the event's on Saturday night, so that's going to be amazing to see. Um, they've just finished building the track, I believe, or they've just started building the track, and oh, it's going to be epic. So if you're in or around the 09, you like... Uh, bit of motorcycle action you definitely want to be heading there on saturday other events this weekend we've got the burt farm trail ride happening near wakatane on saturday Whakatane that is and the, the burt farm trail ride they uh they organize events on the burt farm on all the time so get along to that it's going to be a very well run event there's going to be first aid on site there's going to be something for the experienced riders family rides you know your novices and your kids as well um so get out there and enjoy that also action sports direct have an atv ssv trail ride on this Saturday in the Western Bop, the Western Bay of Plenty so get involved in that one, ATVs you don't get a whole lot of events so make the most of that one. Also our friends at Epic Events have the Suzuki Trail Tamer happening not this weekend but next, 1st of December, Pukitapu Road uh, just past Taupo on the way to Kinlock. Now this is a brand new event, a fantastic new location 10 minutes past Kinlock, all brand new trails, they've put the grader around them and they're all level barred as well so It'll be a fantastic track for the uh, the experts. They've got a few expert loops as well. Take the kids and the novices around, ride around like a family. The family that plays together stays together. So uh, check out the main loop. It's approximately 40 k's long if you do all the expert loops and offshoots as well. Um, so do support Epic Events in that, a brand new ride. And the first one, first new ride for them in a few years, I believe. Also, we've got the Fariyama uh, School Trail Ride happening near Masterton. Uh, that's happening on Sunday this weekend and the Ohakuri ride series kicks off on Sunday north of Taupo as well now I've done the Ohakuri ride before and that if it's damp is a nut buster definitely a lot of fun Uh, what have we got happening as far as road events go Um, so this weekend, 24th and 25th of November, is the Ride Forever New Zealand Motorcycle Show uh, in Green Lane in Auckland. Uh, we gave you a preview of this last week, I believe. Um, it is basically, if you're into road bikes, there's n- oh, there's 
sadly not a lot in the dirt side of things there often you get a lot of dirt kit um, all your gear vendors are going to be there um, quite a few of the manufacturers um, with a few notable exceptions um, but it's going to be an awesome awesome event um, and so basically you can make a whole weekend out of Auckland uh, this weekend right up there go see the motorcycle show get some new gear go talk to a few people about some courses or some new tech for your bike uh, and then cruise on over to Mount Smart and go see the Supercross. Um, yeah, it's a massive motorcycle weekend in Auckland. Uh, now, uh, the next uh, thing going on is something I believe you know more about, uh, the Wellington Area Road Skills. Yeah, so the Wars is a, uh, a Facebook group that meet every Tuesday. They've started up again for the summer season. They meet every Tuesday with mentors available for uh, an evening ride. Now, they generally meet around about the 6 o'clock mark near the Avalon Duck Pond in Lower Hutt. So if you're interested in getting along to the air, uh, whether you just want to go for a social ride and meet some people, you want to go check out the sunset or you actually want to get some feedback on your riding your riding style and what you could be doing better head along to the wellington area road skills that's w-a-r-s wars facebook page or just pop along at six o'clock to the everlong duck pond on a tuesday evening all right also coming up this weekend uh, from the 23rd to the 24th uh, the magpie madness motorcycle rally at the winchester to maine in the south island uh, no dogs no cars no attitudes no patches Usual motorcycle rally rules. Um, there'll be games, bike show, stalls, wet t-shirt and jock show. Uh, I know a few people that would get into that. Tattoo show, good old bonfire and there's free tea and coffee. Costs 40 bucks to get in. Fully licensed bar, no BYO. Sounds like it's going to be a blast. So uh, that website again is www.ttag.org.nz if you've got uh, a long weekend coming up. Also this weekend, the annual Nelson toy run with the proceeds going to the Salvation Army. It's uh, run by the Nelson Ulysses Club. Uh, that takes place uh, at 10am at the car park on Cambridge Street in Richmond and they depart at 11am. Uh, decorate your bike, bring toys for the kids of all ages and not soft toys. Uh, they've been very particular about that. Games for all ages welcome and this ride will be going ahead no matter the weather because it is going to a good cause. Uh, badge is $10 on the day and again the proceeds are going to the Salvation Army. Uh, last up in the road events because let's face it uh, you South Islanders you're not exactly going to go to the New Zealand Motorcycle Show in Auckland this weekend. Don't worry Ashburton Motorcycle Club have you covered. Uh, there's the Ashburton Motorcycle Show on the 24th of adults $15 or a family pass for $30. It's at the Ashburton Race Course uh, and all bikes um, will be undercover and there'll be trophies, bands, tattooists, trade stalls and uh, even hot rods. So um, yeah, that's the Ashburton Race Course on Saturday the 24th. Um, the Ashburton Motorcycle Show and that wraps us up for road events well it almost does I've got one more event as if Auckland didn't have enough going on at the moment our good mate uh, Mike Ireland's just fired through this link which he's going to now Mike owns a, uh, a CBR1000 1992 model nice bike beautiful bike he's he's headed off the road for about three years um, but he has sent me through the, the link for the five station poker run happening on Sunday meeting 
Station, James McLeod Road, Shelley Beach. Now, if you get involved in this, pay your entry fee. Spot prizes and food is provided. Uh, and it's all shared on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Podcast for more information. Uh, so shout out to Mike and Charlene, our mates, uh, getting along to that event, the Five Station Poker Run. Well, that rounds us off as far as events go. Thank you very, very much for all your input this week. Uh, thanks to all the Facebook groups we're a part of. And if you haven't already, please, please, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, it lets us know that you're listening. We'll give you another password, another. We'll give you another keyword this week if you've listened all the way through to the end of the podcast. Uh, Valve. Valve is the, the keyword this week. So post that on uh, any of our pages, facebook.com forward slash powerbandpodcast or any links that you like and let us know that you've been listening. Thank you very much to everyone who has. We got a fantastic message, Matt, from a listener who managed to go through the entire back catalogue of all our podcast uh, episodes and then sent us a, a, a brilliant message. Well, this is our sixth episode, so, but that was still a good uh, nearly five hours of listening. Uh, was that uh, Andrew Wilson, by the Yeah, so shout out to Andrew Wilson, who, who managed to listen to the entire back catalogue. Thank you very much. So smash that share button, smash the like button, and make sure you're subscribing, because we're not going to fill your inbox with junk mail. We're just going to let you know when the next episode pops out. And the more people that subscribe, the more we can justify making a Season two. Now remember, this season finishes on the Thursday before Christmas. Season one at ten episodes. That's it. Unless we get those those subscriber numbers, we can't make a second season. So please, please, please. We love this. We're doing this not for the financial gain. We're doing this for the love of it, for the passion of motorcycling, and we need your support if you want us to make a se- second season. And if you have any ideas on how we can make the podcast better, we're all ears. Um, we do this for you. So. Uh, uh, yeah, get in touch. www.facebook.com forward slash powerbandpodcast. Flick us a private message. You don't have to post it to the page. Tell us your thoughts. What are we doing great? What can we do better at? Um, we're all ears. And without further ado, we're going to wrap up this episode. This has been episode six. My name is Ray. My name is Matt. Thank you very much. Keep the rubber side down, and we'll catch you next Thursday. <laughs>